Let's pray. Gracious God, speak to us this day the, the word of grace that we all need to hear, the word of grace that liberates us and sets us free to live and to love our neighbor. Amen. My good friend uh, tells a story, true story, from his days growing up on a North Dakota farm. He was just a boy at the time when his father woke him up in the middle of the night and told him to get dressed uh, quickly. A neighbor's barn was burning, you see, and they needed to help their neighbor. My friend arrived with his dad, wide-eyed, and many other neighbors were there too, but all that any of them could do was stand and watch because the barn was engulfed in flames and was not going to be salvageable. There were no people in the barn, thankfully, but there were cries coming from the barn the cries of a terrified animal. It was a white stallion, desperately trying to get out. Its cries came from two different locations within the barn, so obviously it was moving about frantically back and forth, trying desperately to find an opening, a way through the inferno. This went on for several minutes. The small crowd watching in agony. Then, all of a sudden, the gift of an opening presented itself and the white stallion burst through the flames to safety. The people cheered this remarkable escape from a fiery prison and into freedom. Now, that stallion was a prisoner until a way open to freedom. Our Gospel Lesson 2 speaks of prisoners being slaves to one's own sin. And even, even the Jews who thought they were already free because they were uh, sons and daughters of Abraham, even they were not exempt according to Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin which would, of course, if you do the math, uh, would be all of us. Pharisees, tax collectors, disciples of Jesus, King David, Bathsheba, you and me, all. But it's a mistake here to reduce sin to bad things that we do, because then we might say to ourselves, well... I better stop doing these bad things. I better take control of my life and turn this ship around. Only to watch things get worse. For you see, sin is not simply doing the wrong thing. It is the fundamental predisposition 
that you or I can fix our own problems, be the master of our own universe, create our own meaning in life, that we can justify our own existence as long as we are in a bondage such as this, there is no future for any of us. We might as well be in a burning barn with no way out, at least no way out that we can orchestrate. And to live such an existence is to create a state where hordes of devils are loose among Don't you love that line in the Mighty Fortress? Hordes of devils. That's a, that's a dramatic image, isn't it, in the hymn that we sang? And we know hordes of devils are loose in this world, don't we? If there's the one thing we know, we know that. But Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Today is Reformation Sunday, a day we celebrate the, the freedom which belongs to each of us through knowing the person of Jesus Christ, the Son. And no one was more keenly aware of this freedom than Martin Luther, the founder of the Reformation. In fact, Luther was once that stallion in a burning barn. And I'm not even being overdramatic about that. The burning barn was a theology imploding on itself, built on the doomed efforts of every sincere monk, priest, farmer, businessman, who have whoever, to show God that they were good enough to win God's approval. It's called self-justification. Raised in a religious home, Martin always tried to be pleasing to God, always a good steward of what he had been given. Martin ended up at a prestigious university and did well enough there to be accepted into law school. But one day, he was nearly struck dead with a bolt of lightning right there on the law school campus. Luther naturally interpreted this lightning bolt as a gentle reminder from God <laughs> to give his life more completely to God, to enter a monastery and train to become a priest. Well, the lightning bolt also started Luther's barn on fire, to put it bluntly. You see... Luther studied hard, and he tried to be what a monk was supposed to be, holy and blameless before God, a man who has fully subjected his sinful nature to the cleansing power of God. But no matter how much he tried to be good and righteous, he knew in his heart, <laughs> Luther did, that he was kind of an arrogant uh, sort of person. He had an anger problem, um, he had quite a foul mouth, did Luther, and a foul pen as well. And his faith sometimes degenerated into doubt and despair. Generally, you see, Luther knew that he should be better than he was. And it tormented him. Luther felt more and more that God couldn't possibly accept him, underachiever that he was. So he found himself in a crisis. As Luther's spirit cried out for an escape from his burning barn of anxiety and guilt, he stumbled upon Romans 1.17, which reads, The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. 
It was then that he saw a huge opening in his flaming wall of despair. He realized that it was not, it was not his righteousness that would save him. It was God's righteousness. God's righteousness. And all that was left then for old Marty was to trust, have faith in God's righteousness, not his own. Turning his gaze upon Christ, he stepped through the burning barn, through an opening called Grace, and Martin Luther started the Reformation. So what sort of barn do you live in? Is it getting, um, is it getting warm yet? Does it get warm from time to time? Luther's burning barn was created out of a fierce desire to appease a demanding God to prove himself worthy. He was a product of his times, to be sure. Most of us probably can't quite relate to Luther's constant anxiety in the face of God, although I know that some can. For many of us, the insecurity that haunts us may feel less religious in nature, but it's not less religious. We may feel not so much the need to be good enough for God, but good enough for my parents, for my children, for my peers, my boss, or a nameless culture that places impossible demands on us and then judges us for coming up short. Or perhaps this could be the worst one of all. Perhaps we demand too much of ourselves. Anybody there? It is certainly the case that for modern people, we're so afraid of emptiness or failure in our own lives that we think that by being better than someone else, by measuring up to some sort of standard for success, by making a name for ourselves, by creating meaning for ourselves out of nothing, we can combat that emptiness. Well, we can't. That was Luther's point. Even if we have good intentions, we'll always find that no matter how hard we try, we'll end up like Luther, unable to prove our worth, unable to measure up. For, th for this simple reason, our justification, our validation, our salvation must come from outside of us. That which reconnects us to what? The very source of life, source of righteousness, source of love, anyone? And source of goodness. Know where it comes from. We don't generate it. We receive it. We are the stallion that Jesus Christ has freed from the hot blazes of self-justification. And freed, I might add, to become fully human in the way God intended it and more compassionate to our neighbor. No matter their faith, no matter their race. Lieutenant Dan was Forrest Gump's commanding officer in Vietnam, or as Forrest would say, Vietnam. 
Anybody remember Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump? In this fictional story, Lieutenant Dan was a, you remember, he's a surly, cynical military man whose sole meaning in life, he'd figured out a meaning for himself, was to die in battle like his father, like his grandfather, and his great-grandfather. This was the only meaning he could create, and it was everything. Die in battle, no matter the circumstances, and maybe your life is redeemable then. Not much else mattered. Well, in the story, as you know in the movie, when he was seriously wounded, Lieutenant Dan thought, this is it. I've fulfilled my destiny. But then what happened? He was rescued by Forrest. Forrest charged in, picked him up, but he told Forrest to leave me alone to die here. This is where I'm supposed to be. But Forrest would have none of it. All Forrest Gump ever did was love the people around him, even risking his life to do so. Hmm? Lieutenant Dan was bitter for years that Forrest saved him. And now he lived his life in a wheelchair, missing his legs from the knee down. But one day, Forrest, one day on Forrest Gump's shrimp boat, Lieutenant Dan realized that Forrest had actually saved his life in more ways than one. Forrest had given his life meaning. Did that, seem, uh, did that scene seem like a baptism to anyone else? Yeah. Amen for baptism. Lieutenant Dan's burning barn wasn't the war. It was his despair and his lack of gratitude for the gift of life. You ever been there? I close with this. A few days ago, I had the privilege of talking to a man I've met while hanging around in Northeast Minneapolis restaurants. He will remain anonymous, but suffice it to say, he's recovering. He's recovering both from alcoholism and from atheism. He's a member of AA and has been sober for eight years. And he told me he's, he's just doing great. And I know him a little bit now, and I can vouch for that. He's doing great. As many of you know, members of Alcoholics Anonymous begin by admitting that they are not in control of their lives and have become powerless. And that they move forward in their healing process only by submitting to a higher power as they understand it. Right? You know this. I asked him about that higher power as he understands it. I was curious. Is it real to him? Well, he said, I've been an atheist most of my life, but I, I've experienced something different now, he said. There's definitely a higher power out there. He said emphatically, his head going up and down. My whole life, he said, I've had this void inside of me that only God could fill. That's why I was drinking too much. And that's why I was doing a whole bunch of other things to try to fill that void. But nothing that I did would fill the hole. So eventually I resorted to excessive drinking. So the void has been filled now? I asked. Yeah, 
He said that, that that higher power has filled it. You see, he's trying to understand what that higher, higher power is, but he knows it's real. And now I'm a new person, he says. And now, I, I, he said, I love life. I love my wife. I'm there for her. Now I can be there for others. I, said, I just said to him, I said, doesn't sound like you're an atheist anymore. And he, he smiled. said, no, no, I guess, I guess I'm not. And he said, if the sun makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen.